This morning is going to be uh, so fun uh, because we are hitting pause um, on our current series that we've uh, been in. We're, we've been in a dialogue uh, for the past several weeks, and we're going to pick back up next week about when God hits pause. But today we're pausing that series. And uh, do you want to go ahead and put that up? This is today's theme SM4, that's us, that's short for Santa Maria Foursquare, if you didn't know. SM4 stories. And we're going to be talking about amazing, powerful, beautiful ways that God has shown up in the history of our 92 years. 92 years that Foursquare has been present here in the Santa Maria Valley. And uh, it's so exciting to get to, to share that and is, of course, a part of what we will be doing um, when we get a little deeper into the story. We're going to be getting a chance to bless our sister Rhonda um, as we get to ready to say farewell to her. Would you pray with me over what God uh, would speak to our hearts today and encourage us in our lives of faith and in our stories as we share Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for what you have done and what you are doing and what you're still going to be doing, Lord, in our lives and in the lives of this church family. God, I pray that, Lord, as we share stories today, that, God, that there will be something that will be quickened in our spirits to say, man, those are the kind of stories that I want in my life. Those are the kind of stories that I want to be able to share with my kids and with others around me. How do I become a kind of person that gets to have those stories as part of my life? Jesus, stir those kind of things, Lord, within us today as we talk about what you've done here over the past many years. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You know, it's important as families to tell stories and to retell their stories. It is an act of remembering who we are as a family. I don't know about your family, and I know every family is a little bit different, but man, I thank God for opportunities we can be together, you know, because our kids now live in uh, different places. And man, when we get to get together around a dinner table or, or on vacation together, we try to uh, get together at least annually, everybody together. You know what we do? We end up telling stories. And it's a way that we remember who we are as a family. So we have all kinds of stories in our family. You know, I don't know what, what you talk about when you go, do you remember when, you know, dot, dot, dot. And we have some hilarious stories in our family. You know, we've, our kids jump off of high things. Uh, that's just part of what it means to be a moss holder is jumping off high things, at least in their generation. So, man, we've got stories of vacation from everywhere, from jumping off cliffs in Hawaii, jumping off cliffs in Colorado, jumping off these super high dive things at this pool in Idaho, just different places we've gone where our kids have jumped off of high things. That often comes up in conversation. Also comes up in conversation the time that dad chased the youngest through the house, uh, trying to catch him to beat him because I mistakenly had thought that he had called his mom a really derogative, uh, you know, name. And 
I'd misheard what he had said. And I'll tell you what, man, when, when our family gets together, they, Dad, do you remember the time that you chased Braden through the house? It was so funny. Yeah. And we also talk about like the time that our family in less than a year moved across the continent twice, moving from LA to Virginia and then from Virginia to Washington State in less than a year. And we're like, wow, do you remember those stories? Do you remember all those Billy Joel uh, CDs that we listened to and Paul Simon all the way across, all the way to Graceland? And we did. We stopped at Graceland. Uh, all, you know, I mean, all those things that are kind of, it's, it's remembering who we are. And we also talk about that second move across the country and in response to what God was stirring in our family and that every family member all the way down to our six-year-old heard something from the Lord about moving back to the West Coast. And it shocked us and it surprised us, but each one has a unique story to add to the family story because it reminds us of who we are when we tell and we retell stories. It's how we pass along our collective history to the next generation. I need to be able to tell stories to my kids about my mom and dad. I need to tell stories about my grandparents. I need to remind them that their grandfather, Glenn Wegner, was the first supervisor of schools in the Lompoc Unified School District. If you go over to the, to the Lompoc School headquarters, there's a little thing around the, right out in the courtyard where they have these pictures kind of like uh, encased in marble. And there's my grandfather's portrait and what he did for the Lompoc School District. You know, it's important for my kids to remember that as part of their legacy because it's part of our family's collective history. And you know what? Telling and retelling stories is also how we find our place within history. As we share stories, it reminds us that it didn't start with us. We can get so trapped in our own circumstances and in our own story that we forget it didn't begin with me, right? Telling stories is a way to move out of being kind of narcissistic. You know, it's all about me. It's all about my story. It's all about my contribution. Well, guess what? When we tell stories and retell stories from the past, it's a way for us to remember those who have gone before us, those who paved the way, those who sacrificed, literally sacrificed for this building that we are sitting in now in the three acres that we call Santa Maria Foursquare Church embedded into a community, a neighborhood in Northwest Santa Maria, that it didn't begin with us. It began with men and women from decades past, those we are not going to meet until we get to hug them in heaven and get to even hear more stories around that dining table about what God has done throughout 
our history that we would end up here. So it reminds us that it didn't start with us. But it also reminds us that even as they had a part to play to secure our present reality, it reminds us that we have a responsibility too for those next generations, our kids, for some, your grandkids, maybe even some great-grandkids, that what are we going to do in our generation and in our time that is going to leave a legacy for them to inherit as they move into their futures? This is the way that one of the psalmists put it, written in Psalm 87, verses 1 through 4. This is what he said. He said, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. You know what? And that's what stories are. They're parables. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. Stories we've heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty works. So are you ready to hear about some of the, the glory of what, the, of what God has poured out here in Santa Maria and even how he has used people through our tribe, the Santa Maria Fourscore Church, over the last 90 plus years? Are you ready? Well, what was the setting for those earliest, earliest years in the 1920s? You know, it's, it's almost hard for us to imagine how different life was if we would have been living just 100 years ago. You know, it's 2020, but if you go, go, were to go back to the 1920s, you know, one of the things that we would be experiencing, no booze, no booze. Prohibition, right? For those of you that are, don't even know what that is, you can Google it later. <laughs> but prohibition is part of American history. And from 1920 to 1933, it was illegal, right, to have booze and to sell booze. So guess what? The bars were all closed. Anything that was being done was being done kind of illegally or, you know, it was like grandpa out back with his uh, little still making a little moonshine. But, I mean, it was all like illegal and done under this cloak of darkness. And, but 100 years ago, the people weren't out drinking together. Also in 1920, the 19th Amendment was passed to the U.S. Constitution guaranteeing women the right to vote. Do you realize that that was 100 years ago right now? Life was different. I mean, can you even imagine like women not being fully guaranteed that right? I mean, we just consider it so fundamental today, but it's because of what both women and men fought for corporately together a hundred years ago. It's amazing. Guess what? Also, in the mid-1920s, radio first came to Santa Barbara County right here in Santa Maria. 
Less, I mean, this was only 95 years ago. In 1925, the first radio station opened. I mean, can you even imagine? I mean, not only did they not have smartphones <laughs> and social media, they didn't have television. And when the 1920s began, there wasn't even radio. I mean, it was all word of mouth and newspapers. And I mean, it was really a different world. And I, I tried to figure this out and piece things together even by going back through historical photos. But in much of the 1920s, there wasn't even paved roads in much of Santa Maria. I mean, you could see pictures in the 1920s of, of horse-drawn carriages and, and things like that in the 20s. I mean, like 100 years ago, we would have been going up and down Maine and Broadway. They were here, and there was some buildings that, that were there. Many burned down since then, and new things have been put up in their places. But, I mean, it was dirt roads. No radio for half of that decade. No booze. Dang, a lot of our people would have been out of employment, right? <laughs> Inside joke to our church family. Um, and guess what? By the end of the decade, the population of Santa Maria was just over 7,000 people by the end of the decade. I mean, right now, you mean the census is this year, and by the way, it's really important. Please take every opportunity to involve your family in the census because it's how we kind of fund what we do as a city. But I'll tell you, I mean, 7,000 people, we could almost, like if we just took a couple of minutes and went in, a, in you know, different directions just around our church over the next couple of minutes, we'd be encircling 7,000 people right here in our neighborhood. But in the whole of Santa Maria, by the end of the decade, there was only 7,000 people here in our new city. That's the context. Very, very different time. Dirt roads and no bars. People finding their voice in our country and in our region. And into that became the first steps of the history of the Santa Maria Foursquare Church. It was on June 10th, 1927, that a 10-day revival was conducted by four graduates from our Foursquare Bible College down in Los Angeles. Today, that college is known as Life Pacific University. Back then, it was Life Bible College, or for those really old folks, they just called it L-I-F-E, L-I-F-E. And but Life Pacific College, as we know it, our university that we know it today, goes all the way back to the 1920s, and there was four recent graduates that came up the coast, made that trek, and it would have been a little different than we do it today in about three hours. They made that trek the old-fashioned way. And among those was a lady, her name was Peggy King, who was the most influential of those, and we'll be repeating Peggy's name in, in the next minutes because she was very influential, the most influential leader in the early days of the foundation of the Santa Maria Foursquare Church. During that first 10-day revival in June of 1927, they met 
in, a, in what was called the Princess Theater that was right here on Pine in Santa Maria. Peggy King had come to Los Angeles from Iowa, much like my sweetheart, Kelly. Now, she, when she arrived in Los Angeles, she had a heart condition, and she didn't know the Lord. But because of that heart condition, she was drawn to attend the very first Foursquare Church. And if you're not familiar with that, the very first Foursquare Church ever was also started by a woman named Amy Semple McPherson in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. It's still there today, a fantastic church called Angelus Temple. And God used Amy Semple McPherson, or back then they just called her Sister Amy. God used Sister Amy in some profound ways. And one of those ways that God used her was that lots and lots of people received physical healing. And we don't have time to go into all the stories, but Peggy King heard about, hey, God's healing people at Angelus Temple. I need to show up there. And guess what? Peggy King not only was healed of her heart condition under the ministry of Amy Semple McPherson at Angelus Temple, but she gave her life to Jesus there as well. And then went on to attend the Foursquare Bible College. Four months after her first trip to Santa Maria, so now it was in October of 1927, Peggy King returned to Santa Maria by herself this time. And she was, had been given a, a gift of generosity. There was an elderly man at Angela's Temple who gave, Amy, or who gave Peggy $50 to help with that initial work of starting a work here in Santa Maria. And isn't it interesting how one man's generosity, that we're living in part of the legacy of that man's generosity, because without that money, she would not have been able to make the trip or come and find a place to stay and, and start the initial work. I look forward to hugging that man in heaven one day. How about you? So she found a place to stay in the area and began work on starting a church. The Orca Ladies Clubhouse became the first meeting place of the new church where Peggy went out into the newly formed oil fields and started inviting the oil workers to come to the Orchid Ladies Clubhouse for those first evening gatherings. Really quickly, she knew that she needed a partner in this, and so Peggy reached out to a fellow graduate of the Foursquare Bible College, um, Jean Fanson, and asked her to come and join her. And so Peggy and Jean, not Peggy Jean, but Peggy and Jean, uh, were soon known around the community as the girls. And uh, they held meetings every night. And the gathering soon became too big, and they were gifted with an old saloon in Arcot. And you go, old saloon? Yeah, you got to remember, it was prohibition. Remember, there was no booze. All the saloons and bars were closed. What are we going to do with these, these buildings? So it was given to them for free of charge to use for this new uh, little gathering. And they put up a lighthouse in one of the windows, and the gathering place became known as the Gospel Lighthouse. 
Now, one of the ways that we're able to remember these stories and to retell them is because in the early days of Foursquare, as little churches were beginning to be planted out of Angelus Temple, they actually wrote a newspaper. Here is a little uh, edition, early edition. It was called the, uh, the Foursquare Crusader. And we're going on crusades to win people for Jesus. And so we have a lot of this historical documentation because uh, people from these, these new little works would write back and so they would be published in this. And so we've got probably 20 or more little excerpts of what God was doing in Santa Maria during those early days. And here's a quote. You can go ahead and put that up from January of 1928. And this had been written probably from a couple of months before in the latter parts of 1927. And it said, the meetings are being held in what used to be a saloon building. And some have recently converted and have seen their faces in the mirror that is still there. And they remember the last time they looked into it when they were under the influence of drink. (laughs) This has been rather amusing and has caused much blessing as the transforming power of the gospel has been realized. Isn't that cool? So here they're in this old saloon, you know, where there would have been the bar and then the big mirror behind there and they're in there worshiping and hearing the gospel and they're looking at themselves in the same mirror where they used to look at themselves drunk. And now they're getting Jesus in that same place. The following month, there was this record from February of 1928 said over 60 people have been converted during the two months in which the young graduates have been present. Others have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And a couple months later, in April of that same year, 1928, it says the girls, as they are called in the community, baptized 47 people, among whom were one old gentleman, 90 years old, and a lady, 83, and the youngest, a child, seven. And what we read in some of these stories, and I don't have time to go through all of them, is there was whole families that were coming and being saved and being filled with the Holy Spirit and were committing them, themselves to the work of the Lord and coming to the waters of baptism. It was on June 26, 1928, that the church had officially grown to 50 people and became formally recognized as a four-square church, thanks to the strong leadership provided by Peggy King. This coming June is going to be our 92nd birthday as a church. And I don't know if we're going to do any big thing because you know what? I'm already looking forward to just a handful of years from now because in 2028, we're going to be celebrating our 100 years here in the Santa Maria Valley area. Isn't that amazing? What we discovered that they had to move around from place to place in those early seasons. And the new church that had just been formed came officially to Santa Maria for the first time, renting a Methodist church building 
on the northwest corner of Church and Lincoln Streets. And if you're wondering, kind of, well, where is Church and Lincoln? It's kind of right over in that Fias uh, area. Right now, it's a parking lot, kind of across from the Mayan restaurant, which we frequent and enjoy. And, uh, and that, that's where the uh, Foursquare Church first held meetings in that rented space. It was in the following year, 1929, that new pastors came here to Santa Maria. Mr. and Mrs. William Nickerson came to the church. And very soon after, they purchased the corner property of, of Courier and Fessler, just three blocks south of where we sit right now. And they bought that property and built the first worship center for the Santa Maria Foursquare Church at a cost of $4,500. <laughs> Woo! The good old days. <laughs> This is what we read from November of 1930. The work in Santa Maria is growing in spirituality as well as in attendance. And they feel confident of even greater victories in the near future because the prayers of the members has been increased. So man, people were gathering and they were believing God for more. They were, they were not satisfied with what they had, but they were pressing in and they were increasing in their prayer life as they were pressing in. Now that church facility, which still is there, three blocks south of us now, known as the Mount Zion Church, was our church home for the next 30 years. It was there that new ministries were started that in our research got to read about but they began holding street meetings. They began a ministry to migrant workers. And they began, began live radio broadcasts of the services that went on for years. And I, in those, I see really formative steps to even who we are today. Because we do street ministry. Uh, we do outreaches. In fact, in uh, just a month, we're going to be out at open streets. We'll start talking about that next week. But man, there's a great gathering. There'll be thousands of people from our community out on Maine, and that's where we are going to plant ourselves as a church family to love on our area. They began a ministry to migrant workers. Well, you know what? We know the history of our region, and many of those migrant workers, not all of them, but many, came from Mexico. And we are now a church that is one church, two congregations. And we have fully embraced that call that all began decades and decades ago. And they, start, they were on the radio. We have a podcast ministry where thousands of people get to access the messages in the word that comes from this church home. We read in, from January of 1942, a couple years later, it says this, a Sunday school has nearly doubled in the past year and a junior crusader chapel, that would have been the junior crusaders would have been like the youth group. This is what they would have called them back in that day. But a junior crusader chapel has been completed. So they built on and added on to that initial structure. 
with an attendance of 15 to 25 junior crusaders each Sunday night. Multi-generational ministry. That was about 15 years later. It was in 1956 that another couple came to pastor this church was Mr. and Mrs. Vance Herring became the pastors here. And right after they arrived, it was only about three months after they'd gotten here in 1956, that the, uh, that the church purchased the very first section of land on which our current campus now sits. And it was the following year, or uh, it was a couple years later, on April 20th, 1958, that there was a groundbreaking service right here on this property and construction began on our current campus with most of the work being done by the men and women from this church family. Much of where we sit today was constructed by the men and women who sat here all those decades ago. Not an awesome legacy. Now the price tag had increased. It had gone from that first church about $4,500 to their budget for this property was $85,000. Now, on this little timeline that you've been seeing up behind me, it began 1927 with Peggy King coming to Santa Maria. But then the next date in there is 1959. There's a couple of reasons that's important, but one of them is because Peggy King isn't the only awesome woman to have ever come to the Santa Maria Foursquare Church. Welcome, Rhonda Nelson! Love you, friend. We're so blessed by you. You can be you can be seated. Have a seat, Miss Rhonda. Oh, it's Queen Rhonda. So sorry. Well, that's a theme that may be repeated today. So be careful. Be careful. Rhonda, would you just kind of take us back uh, to these early days? Um, when you got here, that building that we're looking at, what was, what was its state when you arrived? So we got here when I was five years old with my mom and dad and my little brother. And we walked into the gym where the back door to the gym is. And that was the sanctuary um, that was finished or sort of finished back then. But one of the best memories that I have is there was an elderly couple that met us at the door and hugged me when I was five. And I'll never forget that feeling of I was important. Not only were my parents important, but I was important. And I hope that that legacy. Oh, my goodness. How many of you have had some pretty awesome hugs? from this uh, woman of God right here. 
Yeah. So as growing up, the first time we came, we were hooked. We were, this was it. This was home. And my parents got very involved in the church. They were um, Sunday school teachers. They were sang in the choir. My mom played the piano. Um, my dad was on the church council. Um, we just dove in head first. And every time the, do the door was open, we were there. And um, back then, we had services on uh, Sunday morning, Sunday school. We had church. Then you had... You got to go home for lunch, and then you came back at 6 o'clock, and you had services again that wow. Sunday night. <laughs> and then Wednesday was the same. And um, I remember that the sanctuary was about half the size mm -hmm. where that wall was there. Um, and the wall there. Because this got kicked out. This, the wings got kicked out in the 1970s. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was... Uh, there was a center aisle in the middle there, and it was all done in blues <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> then. Um, we had a big um, choir loft there. But as a um, teenager or in junior high and high school, the baptistry was there. And in the baptistry, as you go through these doors on both sides, there's a set of stairs. Hmm. And on Sunday nights, the boys would go on one side, the girls would go on the other, and we would, all the teenagers, we would hang out on the stairs there and pray. And there were many, many, many tears shed um, on those stairs that are covered um, with tears now that we prayed for the church, we prayed for each other, we prayed for the community, we prayed for our city, our state, and our government. And that was one of those things that I'll never forget. Um, I, I, that story, I, I know you had shared a little bit of that with me maybe a couple of years ago, and it just so moved me. When you think about when men and women walk up those little stairs to be baptized right now, they're walking over the tears of young people who decades ago cried out to the Lord for his work to be done here and abroad. Thank you. Thank you for sowing in those tears. Wow. So now you had mentioned your mama, Pat, and Pat actually worked here for many years, didn't she? So my mom became uh, the first church secretary. Wow. And uh, worked here for 26 years, I think wow. it was. That's so good. And um, we were, and then I got involved and taught Sunday school. I worked with missionettes, I worked with um, the youth. Yes. And, in fact, I think, so if you know part of the history of our church, it was back in 2001 that there was a really significant youth ministry that was going on here called U-Turn, and uh, um, there was a number of adults that really forged that ministry, and Rhonda, uh, not only were you a student growing up here in the youth group, but then you were one of those kind of founding adult leaders for those for the U-Turn Youth Ministry, where hundreds of kids came to know Jesus. Yeah, it was really a special time in our in our church history there. Yeah. Um, and I got to greet there. That was the best part. Yeah. So hundreds and hundreds of uh, now adults in Santa Maria were hugged as kids as they came, yes. came to U-Turn. Uh, That's so incredible. You know, one of the things, Rhonda, that, that 
I've just been like meditating on and thinking about. And even the fact that, you know, as we share story, it reminds us of who we are. It reminds us of our legacy and our, our place in that history as I shared. But, you know, I see some really interesting kind of common denominators, almost like genetic markers um, in who we are as Santa Maria Foursquare. You know, and one was that, uh, you know, our church was founded by a woman. Now, for a lot of decades, the lead pastor here has been male. It would not surprise me in the future of our church that, that we will be led again by someone like Peggy King or a Rhonda Nelson uh, <laughs> or a Kaylin Mossholder. She's not here, so I can say that. I mean, you know what? Because we have an interesting part of our church history is the shared ministry of men and women working together. And not every church has that um, in their shared history. And I think that's one of the genetic markers that we can look to. I, now, and I heard you said that your dad was on the church council, mm-hmm. right? Who also was on the church council? I was on the church council. I was the first woman. The- wow! Isn't that awesome? That's incredible. And I, Anita Garcia thanks you. Uh, because Anita's on our church council now, but you paved the way for that, of men and women working together. And, you know, some of the things that we read were about the importance of children and youth and even uh, sacrificing to build spaces for them, even as we have have done even over the recent years. And then your life, not only being someone um, who grew up here from five years old on, um, but then went back into sowing into children and into youth. And again, I see that as a really important kind of genetic marker as who we are. Anything else that you look back in our church history and go, wow, this was so important um, along the way to who we are as a church? I'm putting her on the spot here. So part of the legacy was my parents, when there were visitors to the church, they took cookies um, to the all the visitors in the church, and that was part of their ministry also. That's so cool. So um, I have started a group called Gifts of Love, and many of you hopefully have been recipients of, of cookies that have been given and I didn't put the connection together until many many years later that my parents had started that many years ago and it had changed and became a uh, part of my legacy also of, of giving cookies to people yeah and, and I don't I don't know you know I don't know uh, if you know the full story of that but Rhonda has worked for quite some time in the medical profession and began meeting uh, especially ladies, um, but not all, not all ladies, men as well, um, but that were shut-ins who didn't have people uh, there in their life that maybe didn't have family local. And Gifts of Love really began a, a way for um, Rhonda to be able to go to knock on doors with cookies <laughs> to bring the love of Jesus. And um, Rhonda, what a remarkable ministry that has been over the past many, many years. And I don't know how many, if there's an estimate on how many calories or cookies or people. Uh, there were no calories. No, no calories in gifts of love. They're calorie free. And, uh, but, but just what an incredible thing is, is the legacy of this church family through Rhonda. You know, because listen, the ministry of Santa Maria Foursquare Church is a whole lot more than we, what we do 
under just the title of our church name because each one here is a minister. Uh, Rhonda didn't come and need to ask permission uh, to, to start going to people's homes and bringing cookies and loving on people in Jesus' name. You just get to do it. Uh, and so uh, that, that's such an awesome and incredible thing. Any other things that you think of of kind of those spiritual genetic markers within our church? I, I think of the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, when we see all the way back from those early days that people coming and not only receiving salvation, but really having their lives radically transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's probably something that you could attest to has been a, a, a marker along the way here at Santa Maria Foursquare. It has, and it's been so amazing to, to watch all of you. To see, I can see God moving in you and how you've matured and how you've grown and how you've um, extended your faith and your love, not only to me, but to others. And that's exciting to see Amen. that you have grown. And it's not just one person that's grown, but it's that's right. a group that has grown and matured and um, reached out to others, which is cool. Not awesome. And, uh, and speaking of the, the work of the Holy Spirit, if you came in after worship, uh, you missed a, a, just a profound word of the Lord that came uh, to us prophetically. And I, I believe that there's people here that were really impacted by the work of the Holy Spirit is here this morning during worship. Uh, during the ministry uh, of that word. And we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit and of prayer and, uh, and just some incredible, incredible things. Hey, listen, we, we have a, a few things that we're going to do before uh, we get out the door today. And uh, part of that is through some of your friends that uh, have some remembrances uh, of you. I'm going to call up uh, the two Debbies and Dave. Uh, Dave, come on up. You're going to go first. And then our two Debbies that have some remembrances also of Rhonda over the years. Dave, you go first, man, because uh, you, you're you a year older, I think, right, than, uh, than our, our sister Rhonda. Come up, come up so she can look at you. And uh, just a little bit older. Oh, okay. I didn't know if we were going to get to that story so quickly. Dave, what's, what's up with the arm wrestling? The person you know here is uh, a lady that's full of compassion. She's very sensitive. She's very loving. She always got a smile on her face. You know, you walk through the door, you're going to get a smile, you're going to get a hug, right? But you knew her back when she was young, a yeah. rascal. Younger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know... There were, we had quite an active youth group. I mean, they're boys, girls, but there was a lot of us. And uh, just wondrous things happened. Including? Well, you know, boys would be boys. and Sometimes we like to do things, you know, like arm wrestle and do things guys do, right? You know? Well, Rhonda, demure, sweet, loving Rhonda, <laughs> wasn't afraid to get in with the guys, you know, and show them what she was all about. So she'd get in, she'd arm wrestle with us, you know, and she'd win. Like <laughs> yes! Frequently, except for me. <laughs> she couldn't beat me, but she'd win. Oh, 
know. There, there may be some challenges going on in the courtyard after service today. <laughs> so, you know, I'm giving her a chance right here and now. Oh, okay. You know, I really don't want to see any broken bones, and I don't want to have to see anybody go to the radiologist for a torn rot rotator cuff. We're old. We have X-ray tech here. <laughs> Debbie Ormsby, would you come on up? Would you say thank you to Dave? Thanks, Dave. All right, Debbie. Debbie Ormsby, your turn. You've known Rhonda how long? Rhonda and I went to high school together, so that was a very, very, very long time ago. <laughs> so, were you uh, saints? We were saints. Yeah, once a saint? Always a Always saint. Always a saint. There you go. <laughs> uh. So um, in high school, we were involved in a group called Young Life Together. So when those guys from Young Life came here for several years ago, we both told them, uh-uh, Young Life was way back when in San Francisco. <laughs> and um, then when Danny and I finally made the transition to leave our Baptist church and venture out, it was nice to know that Rhonda was here. She was one of the reasons um, we thought, well, let's try out that Foursquare church. So that was in 1975. So the Haddocks were here and Richard Crane was here. And we go, oh, we know those guys. And we never left. We came one Sunday and never left. And then we had kids together, and um, our kids grew up together. They went to Christian Life School together. When they were little, we would do birthdays together. We would do Christmases together. And I've got pictures of the kids when they were tiny at Christmas, oh. before they were even in school. And with, yeah, they were really cute back then. And I think we kind of secretly kind of hoped that maybe one of her boys would marry one of my girls. But <laughs> it didn't happen. You know, and you know how parents are. <laughs> and, yeah, we, we tried really hard. And then we, um, she even gave my oldest daughter her bridal shower. I'll never forget that day. It must have been 110 degrees and all these people in Rhonda's house. It was wow. so hot. Um, so she's always been a really good friend to me, to Danny, and I, um, she was the, when Danny got sick back in 2016, she was the first one on our doorstep bringing us a special gift, and we never forgot that. She helped me through all of that, especially in the last year and a half, seven months. She was there all the time for me, making sure that I uh, was doing good. We would go, we went places. And last week, we even got to spend two nights and three days together because her house was being tended, so she got to go over <laughs> and spend the, spend the time with us, and that was a lot of fun. Girls' night out. Girls' night out, yeah. yeah. Girls' night out, <laughs> 7 o'clock. Have you ever been to Night Creamery? Let's go. <laughs> so um, even my grandkids know when I talk about Rhonda, they go, Rhonda Nelson? So um, I told her she always has a place to stay when she comes back to visit. And it's not if, because I know she's going to come back to visit. And her friendship will always be special to me. Love you, kiddo. Here, let's do this. One, <laughs> Debbie Jordan. Okay, everybody knows Rhonda that she says she's the queen, right? <laughs> she even... And she's even, even wearing a tiara. Yeah, I told him, I said, she's going to be wearing her tiara. You might yeah. as well expect it. And yes, she is, because she is queen. So we want to talk about some ways that I have known her really well these past 16 years. 
and ways that she is the queen. First of all, and Dennis and I were talking about this, she is the queen of when life doesn't go the way she expected it to and she's been disappointed, she knows how to make, when, when life gives her living, lemons, she knows how to make lemonade. She is the queen, yes. I love this in Proverbs, and I was reading this, and I said, this is exactly what it, what it is. Rhonda, you taste and experience a better substance, and your shining light will not be extinguished no matter how dark the night. Wow. She is the queen of fun, and if it's not fun, she's going to create it, right? <laughs> she loves to party. She loves games. And she's also the queen of competition, as we just saw with her and Dave. So even to the point of when we were greeting each other and saying uh, who we are in Jesus, and I said, well, I'm his favorite. She said, no, I'm his most favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and she is the queen of friendship. I think we can all attest to that. She's the queen of friendship. She knows what it is to be a friend. She knows what it is to have friends. And she's been a great model to me and, and what friendship is all about. And I really, I count it a privilege to be a friend of yours, Rhonda. What a gift. Such a gift. She is the queen of mammograms. All the women said, <laughs> amen. And, and she was always so gracious before she began to torture. I mean, the imaging. <laughs> she would say, may I pray with you? And of course we're going to say, yes. <laughs> but she was always very gracious and very gentle. And I'm just so very, sorry, but, you know, in this, particularly in a very vulnerable place that is. What a, what a gift of ministry, Rhonda. Thank you so much for, for the women everywhere. And she's the queen of hospitality. She was always, as you heard, she's always opening her homes to others. And she just is very hospitable in, what, in her love and in her love for Jesus. She loves Jesus in everything that she does. And she portrays him by the work of her hands and just her, even her gifts of love, whether they be cookies or whatever. And the grandmother of all things queen Rhonda, you are the queen of generosity. And this is a little-known fact, but it touched me personally, and I'm going to say this. A few years back, there were three, three young women. I'm not going to say their names, but three young women who everybody knew their husbands, but they felt very not real recognized. Rhonda took these three women on a shopping spree and out to lunch and made them feel very, very special. And that really touched me because two of those women are very dear to me. So thank you for generosity. So gifts of love, this is gifts of love in the flesh. Yeah. She is the queen. She yes. is the queen. Well, there's a couple other things we're going to do before we dismiss. And uh, uh, one is we're going to give some gifts. And the second thing we're going to do is that there's some others that wanted to uh, bring a greeting to you that were not able to be here today. And so 
Um, in just a moment, we're going to uh, we're, we're going to be. Are you opening her gift? Well, <laughs> we have a, a special box that she gets to take with her of mementos. Don't peek! Don't peek! But this is what it says on the front. It says, "Our gift of love," Santa Maria Four Square Church. And so we have some special things that before we uh, show the video. Now, I know you brought your own tiara. I was given this this morning. Oh, you were given that this morning? Well, guess what? You have a new one to take on your new adventures. So. Yeah, you can go doubles. You can go doubles. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool. And then we have some uh, remarkable uh, little things right here. These are sashes. And this sash right here says CEO of Gifts of Love. So Kelly, if you would help to emblazon our queen. There is a second sash for the queen. That's, now, I hope she wears this at her next church because it says, Greeter Extraordinaire. And then the third one says, And so much more. And so much more. Because Rhonda... From working with children and working with youth to serving on the church council, uh, you have done so much as part of our church family and is our longest continuous member um, here at the church. And, uh, and so we have, we have one more gift we're going to give in, in a couple of moments, uh, but um, we're going to take about five minutes and watch these three special video greetings. So I'm going to turn this chair around for you and go ahead and play video number one. This is Jack and Carol Hamilton, who pastored from 1970 Hi, to 88. Hi, Rhonda. 82. Well, are you sure you're old enough to retire? <laughs> I think I may have to report you to the Social Security and say, are you, this girl may not be ready. You better check her age. Right. What, a, what a happy thing to be able to go up to be with your mom and dad and and all your family that are up there, uh, uh, Ron and Lori and uh, Matt and his family. So it's going to be a, a wonderful time for you. And uh, we just want to say this greeting, how much we love you and how much we appreciate you and uh, your family. Well, Rhonda, you've been part of our life since 1972. Can you believe 1970, that? 1970, actually. I'm not that old. Neither am I, but that's the way it is. <laughs> and every memory I have of you, the very first memory, this is probably going to surprise you, that I have of you, you're the first girl I ever saw in a miniskirt. <laughs> in Santa Maria, you were the miniskirt girl, and you were in high school, I believe, and uh, I, I thought, this is really something. I've never seen a miniskirt before, but you wore it well. Uh, we're so happy for you, and you've had a blessed life. You've blessed our lives. The things I remember the most about you, there was never a time the church was open that you weren't there. 
and never a time did I ever see you without a smile on your face. So we're back in New Hampshire, so uh, I won't get to see that smile anyway, but I was gonna say I'll sure miss it if I'm in Santa Maria. I hope you have a blessed future ahead of you and uh, you're leaving with lots of love. We appreciate God crossing our paths with yours, honey. Have a wonderful life. Bye-bye. Well, you know, we had to uh, move to New Hampshire to be with our kids. I wish I would have had Harold and Pat's uh, persuasive powers and have our kids move back with us and take care of us. <laughs> However, it's a wonderful thing that's happening for you. And I know it's a big decision to uproot yourself from a, a city that you lived in so long that uh, we have always felt for the... Uh, that you and your family were strong pillars That's right. in, the, in our church when we were there. I know every other pastor that followed us would always, when they would talk to us, mention uh, the Jensen family. And so we uh, want to say to you, thank you for uh, allowing us to serve you. And thank you for serving us so yes. well. God bless you, honey. Have a great, wonderful life. Oh, Jesus the Hamilton served here for many years and uh, came in 1970. And this next video, next video, um, is Roger and Janet Wheeler. Morning, Church. We're so glad to have this opportunity to acknowledge to you, Rhonda Nelson. Janet will be sharing with you because of her love for Rhonda and because of their working together with Women's Ministries. Good morning, Rhonda. I, I was thinking back about a song, a chorus that we used to sing as I was growing up in the church, and it was of J-O-Y, Jesus and Others in You. Your picture ought to be on that song, because to me, you have always, in a very healthy way, uh, lifted others up. Um, I remember from the very first um, women's ministry event that we had at, at the church after Roger and I arrived, you and your mom were sharing with women about how to tie scarves and wear scarves appropriately. I still remember what you taught me. Um, along through the years, you had your, your creative giftings you shared so freely with all the women. Um, we did scrapbooking together. You helped two young um, high school pastors' wives make a beautiful memento of their young babies for the grandmother. That's me, one of my treasures to this day. You taught all of us how to do scrapbooking. You brought your own materials and shared your knowledge and your gifting with us. You went through a phase of making jewelry, and not only did you make it and share with us, you, you taught others how to do it. There were probably Sundays where half of the women in the church were wearing some of Rhonda's <laughs> creations. Um, you taught us how to make beautiful greeting cards that gave a part of ourselves to other people when we shared them. Again, you brought your own materials and you freely gave what the Lord had given you in creativity and fun. You hosted so many um, dinners and fellowships in your home, Monco, and uh, Mexican Train, and 
everyone came away laughing, especially when you pulled out your pacifier on a ribbon for the pointers in the group. <laughs> I've always known you to be one that lifts others up and gives, gives thought to them and their needs. Always, if there was a need in the church, whether it was for a meal when someone was sick, or to celebrate a new baby, to host a shower, your, your answer was always, if there's a need, how can I help? You gave what you had and have been such a blessing long before you were, you were leading Gifts of Love ministry. I remember the holidays that you showed up on our door with your boys and a plate of homemade uh, snacks that you, at Christmas, you just wanted to spend time with the body. And I, I don't know, you probably went to 20 houses those days. We loved you then. We love you now. All I can say is that all of the new others that God is going to bring into your life are already blessed. Well done, my friend. Yes. Yay. Praise the Lord. And this, this final video is from their son, David Wheeler, um, who was a youth pastor here for several years several years and uh, was the one that you partnered with in the creation of U-Turn in 2001. Greetings, Santa Maria Foursquare, and also greetings to my dear friend, Rhonda Nelson. I heard you were retiring and moving to Utah, and very happy for you to be with your family since I know how much they mean to you. You know, for all the years that we served together at U-Turn and at the church, uh, you are you embody what it means to be faithful, loyal, trustworthy, and kind. These are four words that I think of when I think of you. And I also remember the times that you opened up your home uh, for young women to come over and to be trained up and to be and to be models for them about what a woman should be like and what a woman of God looks like. And you poured your life, you opened your home and you opened your life up to them, and it was huge. And I just want to say thanks for all that you've done for all of those years. And, and I know that God is not done using you, and you're going to continue to be a blessing to the body of Christ and to all those around you. So thank you so much, and bless you, and we're going to miss you. Bye-bye. So in Romans chapter 12, there's a... A really cool passage that starts out with these words love must be sincere there's a lot of other kinds of love that we see in the world but God tells us that as we love our love must be sincere and we want you to take a another little token something that you can wear <laughs> and we have a really I think a really cool little beautiful heart necklace and matching earrings <laughs> but i want to show you something because i think this is really cool it, it is it's hollow and uh it's it's filled with like a little disco ball it's got like all these little pink crystals in there and when you wear those i want you to remember all the individual lives that you have touched here in Santa Maria. So that represents us every time you see that and you've got the matching earrings to go with that. And Rhonda, you are in our hearts. And when, when I think about your life, 
and how integral you and your family have been at Santa Maria Foursquare Church. Here's what I'm walking away with today, and I hope you are too. I want to have a life that's worth talking about. I want people to be telling stories about me someday. How about you? And Rhonda, you have modeled that for us. And, and so I want to pray for you. And then before we walk out these doors, would you honor us by just praying for us, your church family here in Santa Maria? Okay. Would you join me in praying for our sister Rhonda? Lord, it's, it's hard to even put into words our gratefulness, Lord, for the gift of Rhonda Nelson, Lord, to our church family and to our wider community here in Santa Maria. Lord, this woman has faithfully and lovingly given herself away to others. Lord, as we've been talking about in these past seasons, Lord, your word to humanity and to your people to be fruitful and to multiply. And Lord, we recognize both of those attributes within our sister. Lord, because this is a fruitful life filled with your joy and a lot of fun and smiles and sparkles. But Lord, she has not been one who has kept that for herself. Lord, she has multiplied that out into the lives of countless others over these past decades. And Lord, we honor her today and say, God, would you make her continue to be fruitful in the days to come. Our Father, I thank you so much for this body, Lord, that has ministered so much to me and has changed my life. Lord, I pray blessing on each and every one of that's here today. Lord, I thank you that you are continuing the good work that you've started in their lives, Lord, and that you will complete it until the day that you come back. We love you. We give you thanks. I'm so grateful for all your many blessings to us. Amen. Praise the Lord.